0: This is the Oanda Podcast.
1: This is the Oanda Market Insights Podcast, talking to Oanda Senior Market Analysts from around the world. And today, it is Ed Moyer in New York. Good afternoon from London, Ed. How are you doing?
0: Uh, I'm wonderful. It's the... uh... The day before my vacation begins, first one in in about two years, so I'm uh, wow <laughs> a little excited. I I, I have a two year old, so the vacationing before that was limited.
1: <laughs> you um you Americans don't get particularly long holidays, do you? Compared with us Europeans, is it something like two weeks?
0: Yes, two weeks, and uh, I think uh, there is a growing movement to get more. So we'll see. We'll see how that happens. <laughs>
1: I've been reading about a certain dating app, I won't name it, who've just given their staff a week off uh, as a special holiday because of uh, the stress of the pandemic. So anyone listening, I think that's a great idea. Now, let's get back to what we're here for and uh, preview in the review of the business of the week and the week to come. May I start for a change with this side of the Atlantic head? Would you allow me that? Good, because let's talk about the Bank of England's rate decision on Thursday. Of course, no big surprises, still at 0.1%. However, the meeting was significant from one point of view. It was Andy Haldane, their chief economist, last ever meeting. And uh, we thought he might go out with a bang, and he did. He sounded the alarm over rising inflation. And uh, he says that the bank should shave A bit more money off the money printing program, the QE, something like 50 billion, I think he said, of its 895 billion pound program. So whether or not anybody was listening, I doubt it. Uh, His tenure is about to end anyway. Was that the most significant moment? of that meeting
0: i think it's uh it's definitely a key moment and i think it signals the end of, of decades of service and what it does though is it, it reminds markets these policymakers. these we oftentimes shuffle some seats and we're going to have um, a couple more hawks come on board so i think there's this belief that you're you're going to probably have uh when the time is right uh, a bank of england that will be able to move a lot more quicker than people are anticipating uh, the the overall rate decision and outlook i thought it was pretty uh, upbeat for the uk economy uh, and lots of comparisons to the fed and and i think what we're also seeing is uh, you know the the key the the key take on inflation the the bank of england does believe that this will be transitory i think that um, you also have to take a look at you know well what's driving the economy right now in the short term, and uh, uh, there there is this this belief that you know we're we're you um, are still having a, a battle with COVID cases variant risks have really uh, unnerved some investors, um, and, and more importantly though I think the furlough scheme will come to an end in autumn and. There is that belief that, well, what if the economy is just not ready for that to happen? So there, there, the the economy still has some hurdles. I think there's still tremendous reason to be optimistic and upbeat. Uh, but I think what you're seeing is that is providing the Bank of England with a, a slightly um, more accommodative stance than people were anticipating. And that should be positive for uh uk stocks and uh and, and a little bit negative here for the british pound
1: there has been an optimistic outlook you're right and that's largely down to the fact that the vaccination program has been very successful but our markets concerned about this delta plus variant and the damage that could do to the medium term prospects to the economy they're already talking about further restrictions uh, for things like travel coming back. And we're unclear in this country as to whether or not Freedom Day, uh, three weeks on Monday, is actually going to happen.
0: I think right now, part of the big reopening trade, and and, and and for the rest of the world, the US and the UK are the prime examples of what to expect and what to hope for. Uh, so, So I think what you're seeing is there's a, a little bit more uh nervousness across emerging markets that, you know, they're lagging on their vaccine um, rollouts. And what they're also experiencing are greater pricing pressures. So if you're tightening and you're seeing uh, uh, this belief that uh, grow that your reopening might be a little more delayed, uh, that's that's bad news for the economy so so i think you're probably going to see that uh, i think investors are going to become a little bit more uh, uh, complacent here and, and and right now i think we're, we we probably we'll start to see more of a sideways market here for stocks um um, in the u.s and in europe because i think right now everyone is is going to wait to see exactly how does the inflation story unfold and whether or not uh you know that that transitory argument still holds i'm you know i think it's it's pretty clear i'm in the transitory camp uh i think eventually you know the fed will you know obviously acknowledge that you know interest And inflation is is moderating, and and that will, uh, you know, maybe they'll change their definition of transitory, and that will probably um, be something that will allow them to dodge that persistent argument. And uh, I think it still means we're going to have a a ton of accommodation come in. And uh, I I think you're probably going to see that uh, investors, they're still going to be bullish stocks, even as people kind of rape up that taper tantrum talk um you know the Biden administration um yesterday they did their victory lap over the bipartisan infrastructure spending deal that um at least if you listen to the press conference it seemed like it's imminent but that's by far the case you're probably going to see those talks go down to the wire till the end of September
1: and of course U.S. stocks slipped in the week but remained near record highs as investors weighed those dovish comments by fed reserve officials there were also business surveys showing companies were struggling with inflation it's pretty uncertain at the moment isn't it which way this is going to go it's more a question of when rather than if isn't it it
0: it does seem so and and i think if if you're a, a long-term investor, I think right now the the buy-and-hold mentality uh, is, is somewhat calming. I think that um, even through you know some of these worst-case scenarios of uh, uh, you know persistent inflation um, or even the possibilities of a, a policy mistake, I think you're still looking at limited downside. I, th- I think right now the the short term, you know, these next next 12 months for stocks are still looking pretty robust. I become a lot more downbeat as far as the outlook goes once we're talking, you know, beyond 2022. You know, we're going to see GDP growth normalize, you know, where you know, we might grow at 10% this year, 5% next year, and then we're going to be sub 3% uh the year after and 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 if you if you start to price in uh you know a, a split congress well biden will president biden will not be able to get anything done uh and and that will really complicate i think uh the the economic recovery at that point so uh, risks are brewing uh but right now short term things are still looking pretty upbeat
1: ed what did you make of those comments coming from those fed officials during the week uh bostick kaplan and bowman uh, getting their time in the sun what do you make of what they said
0: for the most part, they calmed uh, uh, markets' nerves. I think, uh, you know, Kaplan and Bostic—they've become a little bit more uh, hawkish. I think the the argument that you're going to raise interest rates by the end of next year—it's uh, it, strong. I mean, you 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 can't you know ignore you know the the robust recovery we're seeing, and and I think that. Uh, there is going to be some inflation that sticks so I think that uh, you know I think Wall Street has now realized that okay we're gonna have to to see exactly how you know wage pressures unfold and right now I mean we have so many job openings and uh, we have more job openings than uh, I think uh, people looking for jobs right now and I think you're gonna see that eventually uh, you know, this economy will have to adapt and uh, there, there's this this risk that, uh, you're going to have i think uh the the fed you know really be uh pressured at some point where they're going to have to really accelerate removing uh these uh monthly purchases and and right now i think you're you're probably looking at jackson hole uh it was i think for the most part uh, i've teetered between you know the end of august at jackson hole or september when the fed will a formally announced tapering. I think the uh, the base case still remains that you know January is when we'll probably start tapering, and I think the Fed will finally provide some clarity over these next few months. as exactly you know can they start raising interest rates if we still have um, um, some degree of uh, monthly purchases happening? I think uh, you can make a strong argument that the, the economy, uh, if it's strong enough, it can withstand that. So so I think right now uh, people are a little bit more calm that now they understand that, um, you know, we still have about, you know, 12 to 18 months of, of, you know, significant accommodation going into the economy during this, you know, this, uh, reopening trade. And I think as, as employment bounces back here, so, so the economy is looking pretty strong. You're probably going to have record highs, uh, be, a, a a steady theme, I think, for, for the rest of the year, with probably one major pullback when you know we have that taper announcement officially done.
1: Okay, um, let's talk cryptocurrency. And uh, Bitcoin showed some signs of stabilizing this week. Uh, what about the mining activity and the shift away from China?
0: You know, I think right now we we uh, we're starting to see there's there's a uh, uh, the beginning of progress here. As far as transitioning away from China, uh, the, the the market is is still seeing um, some growing institutional interest. I think that is also a big a big story. I'm, I'm over uh, in the middle of the week, we we had uh, that Silicon uh, Valley venture capital firm, uh, Anderson, they announced a two point two billion crypto focused fund. Um, that. Is the type of news that the cryptocurrency markets need to uh, provide some calm in the market I think that uh, there was a lot of people you know rushing to compare that you know the, the recent plunge um, losing over half of its value was going to be a repeat of what we saw a few years ago when we almost hit 20,000 and came crashing down to 3,000 and 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 now I think you're, you're starting to see that that longer-term view is still holding up for both retail and institutional investors. So I think, you know, the mining shift from China is going to take time. You can't you can't just um, automatically find new places. I think some some of that hardware from China has gone to Maryland. I think you're seeing uh, uh, some emerging markets are trying to uh, take advantage of this opportunity. And and I think you're going to see that there is, um, you know, still tremendous demand for for bitcoin and and some of the other top coins and and right now you're probably going to see the market remain um, more in a choppy choppy environment and uh, i think if we continue to get more announcements as far as uh, uh, wall street making big bets on crypto that's going to continue to keep this this space excited. And I think right now everyone is focused on that ESG shift and you know remember uh, Elon Musk, Michael Saylor, they're a part of the uh, Bitcoin mining council that's leading that effort. And uh, I think uh we we're probably going to hear some uh, positive announcements. Uh, I know that uh, a lot of uh, crypto watchers were excited when um Twitter CEO Jack Dorsey announced that he's going to talk with uh, Elon Musk at the upcoming Bitcoin event in July. So there is a big buzz that you're you're going to see um, uh, continued excitement in the space, and uh, I think uh, for my some of my counterparts who are a little bit more downbeat on cryptos, I think you're going to start to see that. Uh, um, the volatility it, it it's it's always going to be there, but I think that uh, it's not dying. This is uh, this you know cryptocurrencies are are not going to go away, and and um, right now I think you're going to see that probably um, you know I think as Bitcoin has this extended consolidation, uh, that is good news for a lot of those long term holders who are anticipating eventually a, a breakout and a return to those record highs.
1: Mm, very interesting indeed ed we all know you're going on holiday for a week uh, you lucky devil but uh, what is going to be happening while you're away over the next few days can you give us a flavor and some highlights
0: well i will have my hands full with robbie and susie my two children but <laughs> besides that uh i think you're going to see um, um there's going to be uh a couple of big events that happen. I think uh, for me, the, the first one that I'm focused on is the OPEC plus meeting, which happens on July 1st. The, the uh, group of producers have been very, very uh, working in sync as far as agreeing upon gradually um, uh, increasing output. And, and this is a difficult meeting because they don't know what Iranian output is going to happen over the next uh, you know, few months. Uh, it's all about the nuclear deal talks, which are ongoing. We're going to possibly see the seventh round of talks start next week. Uh, but, but I think there's a hard deadline right now for the U.S. of getting it done before the Iranian inauguration, which is August 3rd. So we're probably not going to get any updates on the Iran nuclear deal, which means OPEC is going to have to go ahead and uh, announce an increase in production because the demand argument—the demand has been too strong—and they need to they need to increase production. So you're probably going to see a modest increase because they don't want to unnerve markets of maybe around five hundred thousand barrels, and and that should be something that oil prices could withstand. Uh, but if we hear a greater output increase. You could see, um, uh, you know, oil turn very uh, negative quickly. Um, so, so I think that's an important one to watch, uh, and that will have a tremendous impact on all the uh, uh, oil export-driven uh, economies and their respective currencies, like the Canadian dollar, Norwegian krone, and, and even the ruble. Uh, so, so uh, that's going to be important. I think uh, we're going to have a, a little bit of an ease. I think only a couple of Fed speakers, so that will will probably calm down. Um, for, for many traders, they're going to be fixated on that economic data. We get the uh, PMI readings, um, which will be, uh, I think, uh, important to watch because uh, everyone is focused on these pricing pressures. So we'll have that to, to stay on top of with the, the release of several CPI reports as well from the Eurozone and uh, across uh, uh, most of Europe. And uh, I think uh, for back here in the u.s uh, a lot of people are going to pay close attention to the non-farm payroll report the expiration of federal unemployment benefits is starting to uh, kick in and uh, that is likely to motivate a lot of people who have been living um, off of stimulus checks they might be uh, forced to take some positions so we could have a really uh, strong number in june july is is most likely to be reflective of the expiration of those benefits but i think you're going to see that june will be rather rather strong um the, the highest forecasts right now are 950,000 um you could make a case that we could top a million though so i think right now the consensus is uh sub 700,000 but i think that's going to actively uh get updated um as as more economists put in their forecast and leading up to the the friday release so it, it should be i think fairly busy um and uh i think uh, the the main event though which i wanted to save the the best for last was probably going to be i think uh, uh china's uh celebration of the 100th anniversary of the founding of the uh, communist party uh president xi jinping will address the nation on on thursday that is is going to be key uh i think uh, just learning more about china and the direction and if they announce any new initiatives that will be very key as far as for the outlook for asia um, we've seen china kind of uh, fall in their delivering on the phase one trade deal with the us it will be very important to get their updates and i think tensions are brewing um with china and and uh, the us and, and some of the us's allies so a busy week uh, and uh, I'll be more than happy to recap it with you once once I return.
1: Well, enjoy your break. You uh, certainly deserve one after the last couple of years or so. Uh, we'll speak to you again very
0: soon. Thanks very much, Ed. Always a pleasure. Thank you. The Oanda Podcast.